Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You know Evan means business when it's a laptop episode. Damn right. It's been way too long. Brought my work boots today. Yeah. It's mostly just for uh, my memory's sake because I can't remember anything. Actually, uh, big on the screen is like the uh, a hand making the uh, sign of an L to teach him his left and his right. Uh, yeah, that that's correct. Later in the summer, we're going to tackle your alphabet and then... Yeah, it's a summer of growth. <laughs> that's for sure. First mock draft. Brad, how do you feel? Like in general? No, no, no. <laughs> Legitimately, no one cares about that. But about the uh, the first mock draft, that's where we're at in the uh, draft season. I'm still very upset we have to do this, mm. but I enjoy doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, It. this is the fun phase. I think everything from now through like July 5th is fun because it's all hopes and dreams and here's what's optimal on paper and here's what could be and what can we poach from the Winnipeg Jets and all that. And then, you know, reality kicks in and in the fall and no one needs that. But now is the fun phase. Like, I love the draft and everything around the draft, but I cannot wait till the Wings are picking like 26, then I don't have to care about the draft. Yeah, when the Wings are doing what Dallas is doing right now, for example, or yeah. even, I don't know, think of uh, think of the Lightning. Well, actually, that's a, that's an extreme. <laughs> yeah. They're not drafting till 2025. I, I would like a draft pick, Ryan. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, folks, uh, as I alluded to, we're mock drafting. It's that time of year. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of NHL draft prospects, the NHL playoffs, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, like I mentioned, we are going to be doing our first mini mock draft picks 1 through 18, which conveniently will cover both Detroit Red Wings' first-round picks as they stand right now. Uh, we'll be giving you a little bit of information on those picks. You'll see how we kind of go through it. Uh, we'll give you an update on what's happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, the Leafs did it. Simulation's getting weird, but uh, it's not just that. How the Winnipeg Jets being ousted by the Vegas Golden Knights could actually play into uh, Detroit's favor here, or a lot of other teams, depending on on the way they go. Uh, and then we'll also cover everything else going on there. Connor McDavid moves on, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a little bit on the U18s and whatever else we get into before overtime. Before all that, I want to let you know that this podcast is supported uh, almost entirely by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to support the show. Uh, if you do, you get great perks like access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord, uh, our Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes, which record right after these ones, which... I've been told pound for pound are more entertaining <laughs> than the main show. Uh, the last one, the the people loved your uh, your dilemma that you proposed in the last one, Evan, with your presentation that you have to do, and I'll leave. Oh that yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and you thanks also, for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> and you also get uh, automatically entered into all of our giveaways. Uh, for example, we did uh, we gave away two tickets to every Detroit Red Wings home game last season. The vast majority of them going to our Patreon supporters. As well, the things that that funds besides the uh, eternal growth and improvement of this show is the Winged Wheel Podcast Content Network. That's how we help produce and present. Uh, expected by whom? Hosted by Prashant Iyer and Sean Shapiro. Our support of the Jamie Daniels Foundation and so much more. So patreon.com slash Podcast. If you're able and willing, um, it, it means a lot to us. All right. Mock draft time. 
let's first talk about the Red Wings two picks. So we are going to do this mock draft. We're not going to run a tankathon because Detroit wouldn't win anyways. Uh, we are going to assume Detroit is picking ninth. They have the ninth best lottery odds. We'll assume they stay there. That is their statistically most likely pick and 18th. They got the 18th overall pick from the New York Islanders in the trade with the Vancouver Canucks for uh, the, and that was part of the Philip Hronick deal. That pick is at lowest or at worst 18th overall. It could go up to 17th if, and we are recording this at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday, April 30th, if the Florida Panthers go to this season's conference finals, which, I mean, you'll know the result of the game by the time you hear this, so this might be a moot point. Uh, so that's the only way it can go up to 17th. So most likely it'll be 18th, but who knows? Florida has already made it 3-3 and the game's about to start. So uh, we'll see what they do against Boston. So we'll, we'll assume that is pick 18. All right, who's going first? Rock, paper, scissors? Okay. Right Did in the middle. Who wants to pick one? Yeah, whoever wins rock, paper, scissors gets to decide the order. I literally only pick rock. Okay. Ready? Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors. I told right. you I only pick rock. <laughs> I win. I, I did paper. Brad Brad did rock. Evan did rock. Okay. Uh, I will take the really difficult pick. I'm going to go first overall. Evan, you're going to go second. I'm going to put you right up after me. And Brad, you made the request to go third. So you will be drafting third overall. So so that's third, six, nine, 12, 15, 18. Good. I get both Red Wings picks. We are all. <laughs> and when we get to the Red Wings picks, we are all going to make the Red Wings picks. Okay, so assuming the Anaheim Ducks hold the first overall pick, uh, they are going to sprint up to the stage, and the NHL is probably going to pull a little bit of a Roger Goodell NFL, hey, take your time a little bit so we can sell some commercials here, uh, and uh, don't do it right away, but it is going to be the easiest pick in years, which is saying something the Anaheim Ducks are going to select. First overall, Connor Bedard. Does anything more need to be said about that? Absolutely not. No. Uh, second overall, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Evan. Another easy pick for them. Um, probably a first overall pick in a lot of other drafts. Mm -hmm. um, he just happens to be up against Connor Bedard. Uh, they will take Adam Fantilli. All right. Fantilli, second overall. Any thoughts? You said it was easy. You, you had no second thoughts about Michkov or anything No like second that? thoughts. Probably okay. one of the best college seasons we've seen from a centerman since like Jack Eichel maybe. Uh, he's got it all. Um, I I just can't see how Columbus would pass up on him. Okay, Bedard Fantilli, probably the most likely outcome, or at least what people are projecting. Uh, Brad, third overall for the Chicago Blackhawks. What are you doing here? Um, well, the evil empire will select Matvey Michkov. Oh, you think they'll take the play the waiting game with Michkov? Do you think Chicago is going to be even remotely relevant in the NHL in the next three years? You know what Chicago would be thinking if they selected Michkov? Celebrini. Oh, yeah. they Misa. They actively want to be bad for the next couple of years. So Michkov not coming over, like you alluded to there, will actually help them. Uh, plainly, Michkov's a better player than Carlson. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if Chicago is willing to play the waiting game, which they should be because it's in their favor, uh, Michkov should absolutely be the pick here. And then I have the next pick, which is San Jose's fourth overall. Uh, this one is going to be, I think, similarly easy for the, for them. But I don't know. I, I could see one or uh, really one player maybe getting in the mix here, depending on how things go. But as of right now, I don't see any other pick other than uh, Leo Carlson 
out of Sweden. Uh, big frame, center. I don't want to say would go first overall in a lot of other drafts, but with how many other drafts do you have Bedard, Michkov level talent? How many other drafts do you have Fantilli and what he's done this past season and, and beyond? Carlson, the only reason he would go four is because of the talent, like the immense amount of talent that isn't usually there ahead of him. Uh, unreal skill, you know, drives like crazy. His, his He already has probably what they'll see as an NHL-ready-ish frame. Uh, I don't see him ha- as being too far away uh, from the NHL. Actually, I don't know. Would Carlson play year one in San Jose? I He's close. I think with his frame... He can absolutely handle the physicality of the NHL. I feel like him and Slavkovsky are probably good comparables for what should happen. So whatever you think of how Slavkovsky's year went with Montreal is probably what you're going to be basing or something along those lines is going to be what you're basing your decision off of with Carlson and San Jose. So if you sit there and go Slavkovsky before his injury could have used some more seasoning you keep him in the SHL. If you're like, no, we like the way that type of player progressed, you bring him to the NHL. Given that San Jose has nothing to play for next year, I think the play would be to let him develop for another year, but who knows? The Yeah, the skating for me is maybe, it, it, they'll have to see what he does over the summer, uh, but that playmaking ability is just, it would be a, whenever he is ready, San Jose would be happy to have that. Uh, okay, Montreal. Fifth overall, Evan. Do they need another centerman? No, but I think they'll be extremely happy with Zach Benson. Um, high motor, great hockey IQ. Um, one of the highest leading point getters in the WHL since he was drafted into the WHL. Um, I, I think they would definitely pick him. Interesting pick. You're making Brad's job really easy. Trust me, I, it wasn't an easy pick. There's a, This is kind of where it gets all over the place to me. Um, I did have multiple options, but uh, that's who I'm taking. Is there any sense that Benson is going to be this year's pick, justifiably or not, that's going to fall further than maybe talent would dictate because of his size? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. He, not saying he is going to be that guy, but... It's going to be someone because there's a lot of players that fit that bill, and he seems to be the most, I don't even know how to phrase it. The the Everybody likes his skill, yeah. but the amount of opinions on just players of his dimensions and the role he plays seems to be all over the place. Everybody seems to agree at how good he is, and with those similar opinions, they land 10 spots apart on the rankings. All right, Zach Benson, a little bit of a hot take for Montreal. Arizona at six overall. Brad, too easy for you, I think. Yeah, if I was the actual GM of the Coyotes in this situation, there is a 95% chance I actually trip because I'm running too fast to get to the stage to grab Will Smith from the US NTDP. Who is Will Smith and why is he rising so high in these rankings? You, you think of anyone outside of the top four and Will Smith's name seems to come up first. So often, what is he in terms of a prospect? Um, everything you would want. Uh, offensive center, shoots right, 200-foot player, great playmaker, great goal scorer. Uh, not like a burner, but, you know, good skating. Like, definitely skating that's going to be able to keep up at the NHL. Just won MVP of the U18s today. 
you know, he's, he's your complete centerman that could very well be your number one centerman for a long time. That is like, it's not happening. I wish it would. And I would actually feel really strongly about the Red Wings trading up for him pick for me, wherever you think you can get Will Smith. I would love for Detroit to trade up to get him. Obviously you, you would say, oh yeah, then trade up to two and get out of Fantilli. The cost of acquisition will be a lot lower for Will Smith. And and to me, what a fantastic ad where a lot of other drafts, maybe that's a guy you start to see in the three, four range. So if he goes to six, I'm not going to say I'll be shocked, but um, that would be a big get for whatever team does that. All right. Seventh overall for Philadelphia. This one is, this one's tough for me. I think Philly will be happy here to have uh, another prominent player out of the USNTDP. They're going to take Oliver Moore. Uh, Probably one of, if not the best skating player in the draft, uh, a center. They're going to continue to need to add high-end talent and the way he drives, the way he skates, and obviously does everything else really well. Uh, I know some rankings have him kind of all over the board, but you were talking before the show, Brad, that you don't even think Oliver Moore is going to make it to Detroit. No, I don't think so. He's, you know, obviously Will Smith is the prize of the NTDP. Well, that whole top line for the NTDP is insane, but Oliver Moore feels almost unfair as a second line center on that team because, you know, once you get past the big four uh, in this draft, Oliver Moore is probably the second best center available and he's not even, you know, the number one center on his own team. Yeah. He's not, you know, the most physically dominant player but he does play 200 feet he gets into the dirty areas he comes back and plays defense and I just think with the way Philly wants to reset on culture and what Tortorella wants to do over there that's they're gonna love a player who has elite skating he's pretty well rounded in all other areas and isn't like a perimeter player oh this is I, I know we always find one guy to compare to him every year but this is the most Dylan Larkin profile we've seen in a prospect in a long time yeah yeah, and a player who I would actually like to see fall to Detroit, but for the sake of being uh, objective here, we'll say Oliver Moore is going to go to Philly at seventh, eighth overall for Washington. Evan, I screwed you there, I know, and uh, I'll do it again, but uh, why don't you let me know who Washington's going to take? Um, they're going to continue with the uh, National Development Program, and they will take Ryan Leonard. Oh, there goes Brad's heart. Just grabbed it and squeezed. There's no uh, innocent uh, victims in your uh, your off-air change of pen. <laughs> well, hey, whoa, whoa, don't pull the curtain back like that. Jeez, man. Ryan Leonard, I I, I want to say, is rising. Prashant Iyer, a good friend of the show, expected by whom, um, he tweeted out, uh, he basically has done consolidated rankings over time and shown, and Ryan Leonard is, is rising lately. And Brad, I want to give you some credit because I think when we did the Ryan Leonard profile, I think by the end of it, you were banging your fists on the table saying, this is a fantastic pick, winger or not. Uh, what is Ryan Leonard as a prospect and what he could he do in this case for Washington, but for Detroit as a potential pick? Um, well, he's a winger, but uh, he he's really impressive. Like even on that top line, like Will Smith is obviously sort of the spotlight and everybody shines to him. Um, but he, he plays with just as much of a competitive edge in my eyes and, uh, and, and he can score goals. So, um, Washington, they've seen a lot of goal scoring, uh, in their day. So I think he would be a very natural fit, uh, fit for them if all these top end centers are starting to fall off the board. Do you feel Brad that this is about where Ryan Leonard is going to go? You don't think he'll make it to Detroit after this U18s? He's, um, I think he could go as high as six. Wow. 
yeah, he had a really, really strong trip. He had a really, really strong season. Um, again, that whole NTD top line was just unreal. And the complete package that Ryan Leonard brings, albeit at wing, is going to be insanely appealing. Like those goal scoring high compete wingers who can still like, you know, move the puck and have vision. They're so in demand nowadays that, you know, if you're, if you're picking in the top 10, like I'll say five to 10 in this draft, you're taking a very long, hard look at him, no matter who else is available. You run to the stage if you're the Red Wings and he's there. Uh, it, it depends. Cause there's another guy that's still available that I really, really like. And, you know, I don't know if I would take him over Ryan Leonard, but it would be a, uh, thought in my head. Well, that's good timing because you are going to make for the purposes of this mock draft Detroit's pick at ninth overall. Who are they taking if Moore, Will Smith, Leonard, etc. are all off the board? They are going to go to Slovakia and mm-hmm. take Dalibor Dvorsky. I was wondering if that was the case. Yeah, Dalibor Dvorsky. There's mixed opinions on him, but you know, one of the guys I agree kind of on my short list of reasonably you can reasonably expect him to be there Dvorsky first of all I'm going to ask a question projects as a center and secondly how would he fit into the Red Wings future um so he's been he split time this year between uh the Sweden J20 and the Allsvenskan he was about a half point per game for the Allsvenskan which is obviously good for a 17 year old he dummied the J20 league at over two points per game uh he dummied the U18s uh this tournament that just ended today made the tournament all-star team I think he was about two points per game in that tournament and again it's not like the USNTB's top line Dalibor Dvorsky was playing for Slovakia he did not have the supporting cast that some of these other guys did that were putting up the insane numbers in the tournament he's got a very well-rounded profile I love his skill I love his decision making um you know quickness is always going to be a question for a guy who spent a good amount of time around juniors this year and um, I think he's six six one, so size isn't too much of a concern there. It's for him. Just is it going to translate up levels? Because he only played part of a season in the Allsvenskan, Scott, and the rest of it has been exclusively junior hockey. Um, but he's looked good at every stop, and when he is playing junior, he he looks too good for those leagues, which is what you want if you're making. What do you want to see if you're making a top ten pick? So for the record, Evan and I will give our what if we were making the pick picks. I would agree that it's Dvorsky there. I think of the players who I would want to fall to Detroit, he might be third out of the reasonable ones, but he's still among the three that I want Detroit to have the opportunity to draft. So what, I, what I'm what i trying to do in my head for the Red Wings pick and um, this year is who are the going to be the best players available that also fit you know that quote-unquote type that the Red Wings are looking for. The Red Wings very clearly have an identity in the team they are trying to build. They want to be skilled, fast, and they want to be really hard to play against. So I think Oliver Moore, Ryan Leonard, and Dvorsky are going to be the three that they are going to yep. to really key on at pick nine. And again, there's other players that fit this description. I don't have him ranked this highly, but if the Red Wings have him ranked higher, there might be you know two or three more names that come into this conversation as we get closer to the draft and you know late risers. Because throughout most of the season last year, Marco Casper was not a consensus top ten pick and and really shot up the draft boards toward the end. So that could still happen with a few guys, but. Um, you know, as much as I love a guy like Zach Benson, I don't think he fits, you know, that quote unquote Red Wings mold that they're looking for, even though I would love him on the Red Wings and, you know, a couple other guys in that mold, but you've got the speed with Oliver Moore. You've got the, you know, compete and skill with Leonard. You've got the compete and skill with Dvorsky. So 
as long as one of those three guys drops to Detroit, which, you know, as this mock draft kind of proves is very reasonable because the Red Wings worst case scenario would, it, it literally goes draft goes Will Smith, Oliver Moore, Dvorsky, Ryan Leonard, and then they don't get any of them. So you yeah. just need one team to pick someone else and, and they'll get one of these guys. But yeah, I think those are the group. That's the group of three right now that make the most sense for Detroit that they are they can reasonably expect to get. Evan, who would you have picked in that spot? This one's actually really tough for me because it's kind of worked out worst case scenario for Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody sort of picked out of the order I thought they would. Um, so my list isn't lengthy and I can sell myself on almost anybody, but I can count myself out on that list as well for different reasons. You know, I look at, you know, the Red Wings need a goal scorer. Okay, I look at, you know, does Colby Barlow yeah. fit the mold there? Um, there's been a lot of talk for Colby Barlow and a lot against it. I don't know exactly where I sit on that, but I could see that being a potential pick. Um, if I just look at consensus rankings across sort of the the scouting world, we're, we still have Andrew Cristal on the board. Um, so that's a, a potential pick, but I know we've sort of beat his skating to death. So that's another one I can talk myself out of. I don't think I can reasonably pick Crystal justifiably or not because of how much I've, I've like slammed his skating. Yeah. And I'd be a hypocrite. Yeah. I think like the high end talent is obviously there. Um, but yeah, we would, uh, sound a little <laughs> us changing our minds. Okay. You know what? Changing our minds with new information. We do. Changing our minds on something on a dime, we also do that. Yeah. <laughs> what about Nate Danielson as as this pick? I know he the variance on Danielson is wild, but I see a profile of a guy who's a do it all center, and yeah, I am I crazy for having questions about his ceiling? Like I believe I, I understand the kind of game he plays. It's just like, are you drafting another third line center in that case, and does that help Detroit? When you could potentially go for, you know, a top six winger in that spot, or maybe even a defenseman if you want to get crazy. But I, I is Danielson gonna to start to creep into the conversation if things go as as you two mentioned? For me, no. Cause it is a ceiling question with Danielson. Because again, the well-rounded 200 foot center, he's the captain of his team for Brandon in the WHL. You know, reasonably good production, but He's a late 04 birthday. So his, uh, what is it? 78 points in 68 games or something like that. That's not super impressive. That's definitely not top 10 production. Um, you know, I look at Danielson and I get big Joe Valeno vibes. Y- you know what I mean? Like you look, li- really the same, but the vibes are yeah, there. Yeah. You really, really like the player, but the production's just not there to warrant where this pick is. Danielson at 18, if he's still there. Oh yeah. Let's have that conversation all day that you, you look very long and hard at Danielson at pick 18, but a top 10 pick to me. No, just a modest, like not modest. I don't want to say a guy who's over a point per game in the WHL is insignificant, but relative to a top 10 pick, we'll call it modest production as an overager. I don't love it. All right. So the pick for the purpose of this mock draft for Detroit was Dvorsky. Uh, I followed up by saying in this case, I probably would also take Dvorsky and Evan 
um, gave his uh, prototypical um, fence-sitting platitudes about all the other players. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have to draft somebody twice, so this is sort of my roundabout way of doing it. Yeah. Well, you, everybody gets drafted twice now. For those of you who haven't done a mock draft with Evan before, every single year since we've started, he's accidentally tried to draft someone who's Anton already Anton Lundell, I've drafted three or four times in one year. I think you tried drafting him the next season as well. <laughs> It's highly likely. <laughs> All right. Uh, pick 10 for St. Louis. Uh, I'm a big Colby Barlow guy. I understand the way he scores isn't necessarily the most inspiring for those who only watch some highlights, but I am a believer that he's a guy who can put the puck in the net. His overall profile, the way he plays a game, um, really, really kind of a complete player in my mind, at least what you're getting in the draft for a winger. Uh, for his production... And for his drive and, and the way he's able to skate and just find the net so consistently while not sacrificing, you know, having the puck skills or, or whatever skills in, in close, I, I really like Colby Barlow's game. Honestly, outside shot at a player that I would not hate at all to have on Detroit uh, the more I watch him. The, the talent around him might make it an easy decision to not, but uh, for St. Louis at pick 10, uh, I like Colby Barlow. You're a big Barlow guy. I like Barlow. It's, you know... It's hard to argue against production. Nothing outside of his shot and his skill set excites you at all. But, but but he produces and he's a high compete guy. Um, honestly, this guy just seems like a St. Louis player. So I could right. I could absolutely see that happening. Um, I for me, talent wise, this might be a touch high. But the pick him to St. Louis, it it makes sense. It did feel like a good fit in the St. Yeah. Louis family. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next pick, we have Evan drafting for Vancouver. What crazy. I don't even know if I really like this pick. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know if it's what Vancouver's largest need is, but uh, with the lack of defensemen available and, you know, one of those, it'll end up being, you know, we make this pick, we set it and forget it for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going with Axel Sandine Pelica. Oh, Sandine Pelica over Reinbacher. Yeah, I, I was probably going Sandine Pelica on the next pick. <laughs> Outrageously high offensive ceiling. He's incredibly mobile, north, south, east, west. Uh, him and Quinn Hughes together with with um, Hironic there as well. Like I, it's one of those things you just set it, forget it, and then worry about your forwards uh, in the following drafts or later in the draft, for that matter. So we talked about all the forwards that Detroit could take. And I, I think it's a function of Detroit needing scoring uh, that we're focusing on those forwards. And, you know, they just got rid of Bertuzzi and they really need more offense to bring that team to the next level. But let's say they there wasn't so much offensive talent ahead of him. Would Sandine Pelica fit the mold of who you would potentially take at ninth overall for Detroit? <sighs> yes. On talent, I would like Sandine Pelica at nine. Detroit has shown over the last three years they tend to not pick these types of defensemen despite having ample opportunity to do so. It's tough to say because, you know, we've, we sit here and we pound the table. The Red Wings need offense, 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 offense. Well, Sandine Pelica brings offense in spades. So if you think this guy could be like 80% of an Eric Carlson, yeah, you you got to really truly think about that. Um, I don't think Detroit would do it. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they did. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't strike me as a quote unquote Iserman guy. Okay. Sandine Pelica to Vancouver. Now, Arizona from Ottawa, I believe that is the pick. 
uh, from there, uh, the trade of defenseman Jacob Chikrin. Who is Arizona going to take with this 12th overall pick? I think Arizona would be uh, very pleasantly surprised to see that there's a tiny high-scoring forward from Moose Jaw named Braden available. Damn it. So they, they, they'd run up there and take Braden Yeager. Braden Yeager. Braden Yeager's uh, uh, shooting talent has been, well, it's the, the highlight of his profile, but who is Braden Yeager as a prospect? He is, um, you know, your, your highly creative, offensive, undersized centerman. Hell of a shot. Um, so he, he's dangerous from anywhere in the home plate area in the offensive zone with a screen without a screen, in traffic without traffic. His production wasn't what you thought it would be this year, given his skill set, which is throwing up a couple red flags, but the talent is there. So, you know, if you're in a, a team like Arizona in the position where they are, where this is your second first round pick, you're rebuilding, you got a million picks. Yeah, you bet on talent and and Braden Yeager would be a really good gamble for them here. All right. Braden Yeager goes to uh, Arizona at 12th overall. I have Buffalo 13. There's still a lot of really big names on the board, but I'm wondering if Sandine Pelica going wouldn't spook them and they would take David Reinbacher here, the Austrian right shot defenseman. Uh, you know, Decent frame seems uh, is often profiled as an all around guy. I know on a lot of people's boards he shot really high and like well into the top ten. I don't know if I'm there on Rontbacher, but you know his ability to skate, the ability to kind of separate, move the puck. Um, there's not doesn't seem to come at the sacrifice of his defensive play. Uh, I had a note here from uh, Corey Promen always mentions his gap control still being strong, and anytime you have a player who uh, kind of contribute in an all around way at such a young age. Right shot as a premium sometimes for defensemen. Uh, I think Buffalo would be happy to have him. Um, but I know the, the the opinion is split on Reinbacher. Yeah, I don't see the offensive upside that some people are hoping is there. I, I think people see Mo Sider and, and kind of get those dreams in their eyes with Reinbacher. And, you know, it may it may come. It may be there. I mean, nobody expected it from Sider. Um, the offensive ceiling, yeah, is, I think he can contribute. I don't think he would be like a black hole. Now, that being said, Buffalo taking him makes a ton of sense because the left side of their defense is set for the next decade between yeah. Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, and Matias Samuelson. So getting a guy who can be responsible on the right side to let a guy like Dahlin or Power run free makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's Defense in NHL drafts is a little bit like goalies in your fantasy hockey draft. The moment one goes, everyone's eyes start to get bigger. Um, it might just be how they're grouped. But yeah, I, I think Reinbacher... Is probably going to go on the higher end. Defense always do, I feel. There's just so much more sparse to know when a defenseman is definitely going to be good. So I will say I agree with you, though, Brad. I, I don't like anyone trying to draw the comparison to Mo Sider. Not the same size, so you can't. But in all honesty, I, I still think he's a, a good prospect. So uh, 14th overall for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Evan. They are going to take Edward Shala? There you go. Hey, oh, there we be- go. You did better than my first try. Edward Shala. And I correct me if I'm wrong, that'd be kind of a steal based on some consensus rankings at 14, yeah? Yeah, that would be this would be really good value for him at this point. What is Pittsburgh getting out of Edward Shala? He's high high speed player, great hands, actually really good hockey sense, vision. Um I think he's potentially already at NHL pace, like he's that good. He's got a lot of raw talent. So, I mean, Pittsburgh's at the end of their uh, their window. So 
they don't need to rush him potentially, so he could be an excellent fit. I think he's kind of fallen into the category of he's been he's been buried a little bit when he gets when he when he plays uh, in the extra liga. So it's hard to really scout a guy like that, a la Moritz Sider, not playing a whole lot of minutes, not getting a lot of offensive uh, point production. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he'd be an excellent pick for for Pittsburgh. All right, Pittsburgh takes Edward Schala at 14th overall and begins what is probably going to be a painful rebuild for them. 15th for Nashville. Who are you taking, Brad? Doesn't Nate Danielson just feel like a Nashville pick? No, you... Oh, yes. He, he absolutely feels like the Nashville pick. So I'm going to go Nate Danielson here. Nate Danielson, we mentioned him before. What are they getting in Nate Danielson? A 200-foot center, um, high compete, good skill. Um, again, another right shot center. Um, so, you know, he'd pair well with uh, just Evangelista in Nashville. I mean, Nashville likes this type of player, the guys who can kind of do it all. Nashville's never had super high scores. So if I would advise Nashville to take a swing on like the highest offensive upside guy here because they don't have any of those, but they traditionally don't do that. And I don't expect them to learn their lesson now, especially with Barry, Barry Trotz as their GM. So I think Nashville is getting a very Nashville style centerman. All right, Nate Danielson to Nashville. Calgary is a tough one for me. I don't know what direction that team is going. They have a lot of questions even about uh, what's going to happen with their GM and their coaching for the future. I'm going to uh, I'm going to make a pick maybe that you don't like, Brad. And I'm going to go Simashev here. I'm going to go Dmitry Simashev out of Russia, big frame defenseman, left shot. We, we did a profile on him before. Uh, Max Boltman did a really good profile or a little mini profile when he did uh, a mock of what Detroit's two picks might be. And this is about the range where you might see him. Also, funny that I'm taking defenseman now. Uh, he's the kind of defenseman. He was described as toolsy. He's got a good frame. He moves really well. He's not, you know, the absolute uh, an absolute dynamo offensively, but he does contribute in some capacity. He's got good skill with the puck on his stick, responsible defensively, already showing the right kind of gap control, the right kind of defensive mind for the game. If you're looking at Simashev and you're saying what's a really good but within the realm of reality outcome for him, he's an everyday top four defenseman. And it's hard to draft a defenseman in the first round without saying this guy could be a you know top line player. Not every pick is going to be that. And frankly, if you want to move far into the playoffs and if you want to be consistent, if you want to win games with your depth, you need an everyday top four defenseman. I I think Simashev kind of screams that to me, and I don't know that he's going to go that far down in the draft without someone taking him. So I I feel okay about Dmitry Simashev here to Calgary. As uh, the guy picking for the Red Wings at 18, I also feel good about (laughs) Simashev going to Calgary at 16. Because you don't like that pick to Detroit. Not at 18, no. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that range in general though? Detroit excluded. Yeah, it's about right. I mean, it's a defense, it's a defense light draft. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be reaches for defensemen and, you know, there's not a lot of guys worth reaching for here. So Simishev makes sense. He's as good as any other defensive option there. All right. Montreal 17th overall. And they got that pick from Florida for none other than Ben Chirot. So that I've, could have been us. <laughs> <laughs> Make the pick, Evan. Uh, they are going to complete uh, the U18 US top line, and they are taking Gabriel per- or Gabe Perot. 
I hate you. Brad's about to punch <laughs> right across. If Brad didn't you. have tiny T-Rex arms, he'd strike you right now. That's right. Um, it's a good pick, but I hate you. I had an absolutely unreal U18. Hold on, hold on. No, I'm mad now. <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> yes. Not, not, not because he took him right before where I was going to take him. It's because he could have had Will Smith for Montreal at five and got two-thirds of the line. Oh, well. We don't, we don't want good <laughs> We'll do that in the next mock draft. That's right. Yeah, if Montreal... Evan's like two-thirds of top line. Yeah, Thank right. you. Because I was talking before the episode, I'm like, if Detroit can find a way to trade anything but the ninth overall pick to get pick five from Montreal, they could draft the whole top line in just this first round, and I would do it. But Evan had an easier opportunity <laughs> to do it and didn't do it. For next time. <laughs> Who is Gabe Perot, Gabriel Perot, what has his production been for the USNTDP? Spoiler, big. And, you know, potentially for the Red Wings, where you wanted to take him, Brad, how could he fit into their uh, pipeline? Well, he broke all the USNTDP scoring records before Will Smith caught up to him in the same tournament. Yeah. And I don't mean just for this tournament. I mean for the season. We talk, I've, we've mentioned how good this top line was uh, many, many times in this mock draft already. It's staggering the production they put up. I mean... As time goes on, it's harder and harder to argue against production, and this was nothing short of elite. He was up in the Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Jack Hughes numbers with the USNTDP. Like, yeah, I, I I know his skating's not the greatest, but man, when when the offense is that good, when the skill is that good, how how do you not take a gamble on this guy, right? So, I don't think after the U18s he makes it to Detroit at 18 but no. if he does man he, he is so much what the Red Wings need there are worse skaters and there are smaller players who I would potentially take a gamble on so Perot's drawbacks don't scare me so much and that might just be because you know we've just watched Tyler Bertuzzi contribute to Detroit offensively for all these years um so I'm not as scared uh, of a, not a standout skater as much as I used to be. That said, like, I think there's a limit to that. See Crystal, but yeah, I, I like Perot and I agree with you, Brad. I think, you know, the recent, not recency bias and that is undeserved, but the recency and exposure bias is going to potentially move Perot up the, up the board. Good pick, Evan. Anything that pisses Brad off is good in my mind. You're welcome. All right. 18th overall, the uh, pick that belongs to the Islanders that the Detroit got from Vancouver. Who are you taking, Brad? Well, I was going to take Gabe Perot. Um, so you still I'm, can. We can transfer <laughs> yeah. the meme. Yeah, that's right. So I'll I'll read off a couple names I'm not picking, but I'm considering here just because we're not going to be mocking past this pick. Right. Just I think Matthew Wood's probably worth looking at here. I think Otto Stenberg's probably worth looking at. If you want to get real gutsy on offensive talent, Gavin Brindley. Maybe you look at a Charlie Stramel. I think those guys are the types that the Red Wings like, mm -hmm. that would make sense here because everybody that's on the board now comes with a big question mark. There's a lot of talent still here, but there's a lot of uncertainty in this group of prospects. So the guy I'm about to pick has a lot of uncertainty around him. Um, I'm hoping it's more a circumstance thing and we're betting on upside here. We're betting on a positional premium here. Spoiler, it's another center. It's a right shot. High, high skill level, just the production wasn't quite what you wanted it to be this year with a not so great Oshawa team in the OHL and the Red Wings are going to take the gamble on Callum Ritchie. I knew you were going to take Ritchie. I like that pick. I do too. And I agree with you that it's, uh, 
there's potentially more upside there than he's been given credit for. I really like that pick. You mentioned, uh, I'll actually, let's come back to him in a second, but you mentioned another player, uh, uh, Wood, Matthew Wood there. That's one for me where I'm really on the fence of, because his his offensive ability and his his brain is excellent. The skating is scary. Yeah, yeah, like, if you're taking if you're taking a long hard look at Matthew Wood, you're probably also taking a long hard look at Andrew Crystal. Yeah, I think Wood skating is is definitely better than Andrew Crystal's. Um, but they have a lot of similar traits. You know, really, really smart in the offensive zone. He's that guy that doesn't ever, and I'm talking about Matthew Wood here, that doesn't blow you away with skill, but it's good. But he just so often seems to be in the right place at the right time. You know that. That Brett Hall skill of being able to get lost in the ozone and just kind of up here at the right moment. Um, and again, I think at this pick, if any, if Axel Sandin Pelica isn't here, I there's not a defense they should be looking at. This is a forward all the way. And, you know, you look at a high skill guy, a high offense guy like Wood. Yeah, you really got to consider that. But you made the Richie pick. You mentioned, and we've talked previously on the podcast. I can't remember if we've profiled him. Fun little peek behind the curtain if you want another one. The amount of times pre-show where we have to scramble and remember who we've profiled and who we've just talked about off air. <laughs> our brains have just melted. Yeah. So we, I can't actually remember if we profiled Callum Ritchie. We have. We profiled Callum Ritchie. And yeah, the inconsistency in production is, is what kind of spooks me a little bit. I agree with what you said. Like, by all rights, based on how he plays and how he can play, this is a guy who could do really big things for Detroit and potentially be a high upside pick that they get later in the first round. But what did you just say? And what did you say? I think you said it to Max at dinner uh, before the event. What's the best indicator or an indicator that's standing out to you more and more for a guy who's going to be productive in the NHL? Production at whatever level they're at. Production, exactly. And so if you already are seeing hiccups in Callum Ritchie's production, is that just because you're not going to get highly productive guys around this pick, or do you th- genuinely think that's a little bit of a mirage and there's more to be unlocked here? Well, the bet I'm making here, because again, you watch the tape on Callum Ritchie, and it's good. He is a very, very talented hockey player. The bet I'm making here is that the production wasn't there because Oshawa sucked this year. Yeah. Because he was great at the Holinka. He was pretty good at the U18s that just wrapped up today although Canada by and large had a very disappointing tournament so again how much of that was on him how much of that was circumstance for him yeah I I mean I think the quote-unquote safe picks the guys were I I'm very confident in projecting what they are and what they're going to be ends around like pick 12. so the Red Wings aren't getting any safe bets and aren't getting any assurances here at 18 so again this is a team that sorely lacks offense. They need talent, full stop, end of statement. To me, this is the most talented guy left on the board. Tip, take the risk. He Again, positional premium right shot. I agree. Probably the most talented player left on the board as it's shaken out here. Evan, any other players that you'd consider taking for this pick? Yeah, I mean, I'll still say Andrew Cristal is sitting there. He's Skating be damned. If we could fix him, my God. <laughs> my God. Um, the other one, if you truly believe in the Swedish pipeline, I'm thinking Otto Stenberg. Uh, he also had an extremely strong uh, U18 tournament as the captain of Sweden. Uh, plays at pace, can score high real goals, is also a playmaker, can play center and wing, so he's super versatile. Um, if you believe that that pipeline exists... And I could see that being a pick as well. 
agree with the players you guys brought up. I think those are really good ones to consider. Something that was poignant to me, Brad, that you you mentioned is if you're considering wood, you have to consider crystal. Um, and Evan, you're right. If if we have the technology, we can fix them. Crystal would be the ultimate value to get at you know potentially pick eighteen. It's just I don't know. They're going to do power skating with Dylan Larkin for the entire summer. Honestly, like every day for the rest of your life, you're just power skating. Uh, Quentin Musty, just because it's a hilarious hockey name. <laughs> I mean, he he did have a solid year uh, in the OHL this year, and you know I don't love him at this pick. He's a guy I'm probably actually really hoping slips to one of their three second round picks, yeah. assuming they still have those picks at that time. Um, but yeah, he, he'd be a guy that, uh, that would make some sense for Detroit. All right. As the picks, uh, have gone in this first 18 mock draft, first overall, the Anaheim Ducks shock the world and take Connor Bedard. Fantilli goes to Columbus, second overall. Michkov goes to Chicago, third overall. They'll see him in a while. Leo Carlson to San Jose, fourth. Uh, Montreal takes Benson, fifth. Will Smith to Arizona at sixth overall. Oliver Moore to Philly at seventh. Ryan Leonard to Washington at 8th as Brad punches a hole through this table. Uh, Dvorsky to Detroit as they make the ninth overall pick. Colby Barlow to St. Louis St. Louis at 10th. A little bit of Mike Tyson for you there. Uh, Axel Sandin-Pelica at 11th overall to Vancouver. Arizona uses the pick they got from Ottawa to take Jaeger. Reinbacher to Buffalo at 13th. Uh, Shala to Pittsburgh at 14th. Danielson to Nashville at 15th. Calgary takes Simashev at 16th. Montreal uses the bench rot Florida pick uh, to take Perot at 17th, and Detroit uses their second first-round pick, assuming they have it, to take Richie at 18th overall. That is your first 2023 NHL mock draft as it is relevant to the Red Wings. As we know more about the way the the draft order is going to shake out as the playoffs move on, we'll obviously keep doing these because they're fun, and it's hilarious to watch Evan's brain wrinkle. Although I will say, Evan... I'd say my picks are extremely good, minus uh, maybe the Benson one, just uh, now that I'm thinking about it in <laughs> retrospect. Besides the most important one? Oh, yeah. That's okay. I'm fine with it. I'm Hey, I'm, I've made my bed. And you know what? You made your picks quick. You're usually scrambling. You phone a friend. You call. You call Catherine. We've, we've sometimes. only been doing this for eight years. You know, eventually I'll get. I'll get <laughs> Finally, it, it clicked. <laughs> okay, one last topic I want to bring up about this before we talk about the playoffs. Yes or no? Do you think Detroit makes both first round picks as they are right now? And yeah. in this world, they're not winning the draft lottery. Yes. Do you think? Okay, Evan. I'll say they make both picks. I think there's. We literally just demonstrated that at 18, 18, there's extremely high talent and value still available. I'm riding off my high of making the stupidly unlikely uh, prediction of the Leafs winning a series and getting it correct in six. So I'm going to call something else kind of far out there. Detroit won't make picks nine and 18. It might mean they trade one of them to move up. It might mean something else, but I don't think they'll make picks nine and 18. That is my hot take. Okay, now ask me about their two 2024 first-round picks. Yeah, that's that's for off-season content. <laughs> I, Brad, it's the off-season, Ryan. <laughs> Not yet. Okay, that is the mock draft. We hope you enjoyed it. If you hated it, we uh, ask you to DM at HockeyTownEvan. I'll read every single word. We actually just installed text-to-speech on his phone, so he's uh, he's just learning how to use Twitter for the first time. Let's jump into the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. 
I know folks are going to want to, you know, potentially hear or not hear about the Leafs first, but actually one that I think is more relevant to the Red Wings. The Winnipeg Jets lost 4-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a series where I think a lot of people had Winnipeg pegged as potentially an upset team, but Winnipeg looked more like late season Winnipeg than early season Winnipeg. And they're out. And not only that. Oh, what a press conference. Oh my God. Rick Bonus came on uh, for a press conference earlier than he was scheduled. Like he was supposed to wait to do a full presser, came on and just blasted his team, blasted the guys. And the season is more specifically blasted his star players. Yes. The core, the guys where everyone is looking at these players, Ehlers, Wheeler, uh, uh, Connor, et cetera, Dubois, like what's going to happen to them in the future. He demolished them publicly in a, at a juncture where there's no tangible benefit. Like there's no motivation to be had. The season is over. Like that was a statement. And after that, you know, the, the four, five, six, whatever core players all in their, their postseason interviews all blasted the fact that he did that so publicly. The strife that's been in, in Winnipeg for years. And I'm talking like uh, a Bufflin throwing Evander Kane's clothes in the shower has not gone away. And I, I have to think it's coming to a head now. And so pie in the sky here, this could be good for Detroit. Yeah. So what I'll start by saying is, uh, whether or not you think Rick Bonus should have done that is up for debate, but he wasn't wrong. You think he hasn't had these conversations behind closed doors since the the storm sort of rolled in in Winnipeg and yeah. everybody's been sort of talking about what they're doing once they leave Winnipeg as players? Like, I don't know. Blake Wheeler is part of the problem, and then for him to be upset about it just makes me laugh. Yeah, this has been a very dysfunctional room publicly for a while now. Uh, and and we're not even, we don't even have to go back to the Kane Bufflin days. Like Wheeler, Shifley, they've, they've been at the core of this team and there's been problems. And, you know, Rick Bonus this year has had several public, we'll call them comments on the core and where the players have <laughs> rebutted also publicly. Winnipeg's at an interesting juncture because they sent out that letter to their season ticket holders not that long ago, but like basically I'm paraphrasing essentially, Hey, we're not a corporate market. We need you guys to buy tickets Mm -hmm. or else this, this, you know, is going to be very rough here. So Winnipeg can't afford to be bad, but I have never seen a team that so desperately needs to start a rebuild, retool, whatever you want. This core needs to be blown up. This core needs to be nuked. Like, it's not going to work. It, it's done for them. I don't know who the problem guys are in the room. It could be Ehlers. It could be Connor. It could be Shifley. It could be Wheeler. I, I don't care. Dubois, I think it's very easy to assume it'll, it's Dubois <laughs> after all the comments he's made. That guy is in Montreal right Yeah, like, yeah. my God. Whether he's a problem or just doesn't want to be there, maybe... The same or two different things, depending let's, on how you feel. About let's that. not forget about his departure from Columbus. Like, unless you are the Montreal Canadiens, you do not give up a second round pick for Dubois. That guy is uh, no fly zone. No. Jet pun not intended. By the way, I'm still mad at you as saying Winnipeg pegged. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> so the Winnipeg was right there. Damn it. Yeah, you missed it. So this team desperately needs to rebuild, but this team financially can't rebuild. So I could see a lot of things happening with them this offseason because, again, Rick Bonus wasn't 
wrong. They had that very pleasant upset of uh, Vegas in game one, and they took them to overtime in, uh, was it game three? Uh, the rest of that series, they just laid down and died for the most part, um, especially in game five. Uh, Vegas scored early, and from that point on, uh, the, the give-a-shit level for Winnipeg looked extremely low. Now, where you were alluding to where this could be relevant for Detroit, well, there's a lot of good players who need to get the hell off that team for one reason or another, and Detroit should be calling every day finding out the asking price. Because Kevin Dayoff is coming back as GM. Yeah, and he said Rick Bonus is coming back. I know, I know the ownership doesn't want to do it, but how do you bring back Shevel Dayoff, Bonus, and the core? The core has to be blown Somebody's got to go. Yeah. So let's go through the list quickly as the Red Wings. Blake, Blake Wheeler? Yeah, you don't touch him with a 10-foot pole. No. Mark Shifley? No. Don't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Dubois? He's not no. coming. Yeah. Don't touch him with a 10-foot no. pole. That's where th- my French now. <laughs> <laughs> where we've... We've talked about it before, but just to kind of put it there, the two guys you probably got to be calling about a lot right now, Kyle Connor, Mm -hmm. target number one, Nick Ehlers, backup plan. And again, we don't know what's going on in the room. We we do not know if these guys are part of the problem or not. I've heard everyone, everyone's name is part of the problem down to hell a buck. I don't know what's real. Like when something is bad, like where there's smoke, there's fire. So there's absolutely a mess in that room. So everyone's going to get lumped in. But I, I can't pinpoint what players it is yeah. specifically. Now, Kyle Connor has a lot of Michigan ties, so the team might be able to get a better feel for who he is. And obviously, if they trade for him, then it means they're comfortable that he isn't going to be a problem in the room. Uh, and again, I'm not going to down talk any of these guys because we just we don't know. We can't know. There's no way for us to know. But Kyle Connor solves. <laughs> A whole lot of problems for the Reds. Three years of team control at a very reasonable cap hit. Won't be cheap. But, yeah, and he's a near 50-goal scorer. You know, just an absolute threat. He he immediately becomes the best offensive player on the Detroit Red Wings the second he steps foot in the building if they trade for him. He's got one extra year of control, and he's a better player than Alex Debrinkit was when Ottawa traded him for, him for last year. And let's remember, it was what, pick number eight and 39 that they gave up for Debrinket last year. So if the Red Wings are looking at Kyle Connor and we're going to just use this draft as an example, they are giving up at a minimum pick number nine and one of their second round picks. And because of that extra year of control, probably something else of value. Sorry, quick aside. Very impressive. It was pick seven and 39. Ooh, so close. Yeah. So pick seven and 39, the Red Wings have, what is it? Picks four. 41, two and three, something like that. Close enough. So one of those picks and pick nine. And because of that third year, you know, I don't know what that extra asset is. Let's say it'll be something significant. So let's say Johansson. Okay. Just for argument's sake. Do you do that? If you're Detroit, you have to consider it. You very much have to consider it. It's going to be uncomfortable, but at some point, like how many how many years are we going to say this team needs scoring, this team needs scoring, this team needs scoring? Kyle Connor's on the market. The same way I say if a player's an unrestricted free agency and he is a game-breaking talent, you overpay for him. Overpay for your superstars because they're, the supply isn't there where you can get exact market rate for them. It's it's just basic, basic economics. And I say that for as someone who did okay in Econ 101, but genuinely – that's how it is for unrestricted free agency. So in trades, yeah, I think you do do it. The least amount of goals he's ever scored in an NHL season, excluding like some call-ups, uh, is 26. But he only played 56 games that year. Yeah. 
dude scores and he's only what 28 years old 26 26 my god yeah you <laughs> yeah trade for Kyle Connor and then as soon as you can get him extended you do it um and like I'm sorry I, I know the whole Michigan thing gets overplayed so but this isn't a Michigan guy in like the bottom six this is like someone from Shelby Township who's going to play on your first line and score a shit ton of goals Clinton Township but mm, sorry God bless having a laptop today and calling your full <laughs> Oh, you've got a discrepancy. A hockey DB says Shelby Township. Elite prospect says Clinton. We'll have to get to the bottom of this. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if I'm making this trade, if I'm Detroit, I would do everything in my power to give up future firsts. I really do think that the talent that's going to be available at nine, they, they need to capitalize. If there's a way they can make this trade by trading a future first or pick 18, obviously they do it, but you are not going to get a player of Kyle Connor's caliber without being at least a little uncomfortable with what you're giving up. So, um, you know, lots of options here and a very unique opportunity. Cause again, we've talked at length, the Red Wings have a very obvious problem and they have very few problems with the roster and the system, but the obvious problem is a big one and it's not easy to solve. And there are very limited options to do it. This is one of them. With Mark Scheifele had 42 goals. Yeah, yeah he's Mark also one year to UFA and doesn't know the defensive zone exists. With Kyle Connor potentially being available, like I don't know that before Eiserman's free agency last se- last offseason, I would say you do this. Like if things go differently and he doesn't spend to try to advance the team, I don't know that I say now's the right time to try to get Kyle Connor. Probably still I do because 26 is still young. Like he still has a lot of good years ahead of him. But with Eisenman's direction of moving the team forward through uh, incremental acquisitions obviously didn't try to tank for Bedard or Fantilli or Michkov. Then this is almost like it's almost necessary to try to do something like this to grab a not in your 20 to 24 range, but a bit older high end talent somehow. And it's going to squeeze your pockets in terms of trade capital or in terms of uh, free agency money. But I, I just feel like this is the necessary next step based on how Eisman has handled the Red Wings, you know, rebuild over the last 12 months. If they were tanking this year, I would say I, I could understand if they didn't want to move yet on Connor, but this is a team that absolutely does not want to be at the bottom of the league anymore. It is, they're starting to become allergic to it. We are too. Like it all, it sucks. They, they don't want to be there. They want to start winning. They got a sniff of that this season. And frankly, they want to try to keep pace with the likes of Buffalo and Ottawa who are making some pretty serious moves in their own regard. Uh, Buffalo has had plenty um, aided by draft lottery win, but uh, Ottawa, you know, their chicken move and their Detroit needs to start to keep pace. And to me, this Kyle Connor move would, would indicate as much that said, he's not a secret. There's going to be a lot of other teams that want to try to trade for Kyle Connor. So the market is going to be tough to try to get him. but Detroit's well positioned with their assets. Like they, yep. like you mentioned, Brad, they have a lot of premium assets they can give if you want to trade for a high-end player, you have to look at your prospect pipeline and your untouchable list is probably too big if you're a fan of that team. But they could still keep their untouchable list like pretty significant and get away with just trading more futures. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the point we haven't made yet, which is really obvious, uh, now obviously bringing to attention that he's 26 years old, Winnipeg might just want to keep him. He might be the guy yeah. that they say... He's the youngest and the best of the group. You can have anybody else. And then Detroit's like, all right, we'll give you, you know, X, Y, and Z for Nikolai Ehlers. But yeah, it's, you know, there's options, which is what makes 
uh, Winnipeg unique. Do you, with another question that's probably worth asking. I know where I fall on this. I know what you're going to ask. I'm yeah. just going to ask you. With his, you know, new contract looming, do you look at Connor Hellebuck? He is talent-wise one of the best goalies on the planet, so I think you have to. But I don't know that it makes sense for Detroit. Because he's going to cost $10 million. He will. And you don't pay a goalie $10 million. I think you can start to think about paying a goalie $10 million once you have the rest of your team figured out. But make no mistake about it. Florida's not in a good situation with Bobrovsky. And I would just, and I don't think Hellebuck is Bobrovsky, but we didn't think, well, actually a lot of people predicted, but the Bobrovsky thing could go this way. But I don't know that Detroit is well positioned enough as, as a team. You can get pretty far with a tandem goalie set. But you have to think about it. It's not as automatic of a no as as folks might think. It, that anytime you have superstar level talent, like at, on his game, he could be the best goalie in the world that night. You do have to think about it, right? Yeah, agreed. But ultimately, no, I don't. I don't think so on Hellebuck. Some other team is going to pay out the nose for him. Yep, absolutely, they will. Anyhow, uh, okay, that's the Jets. We are going to be talking about them a lot. If you are a random Jets fan listening to this podcast, we are sorry, but uh, it's going to be the case. The Dallas Stars, um, probably the, um, and I'm sorry for the cliche, the spookiest team in the playoffs. Uh, Jake Ottinger is going to be a problem for everyone who faces him. They beat the Minnesota Wild in six games. Uh, Edmonton similarly beat the LA Kings in six games. That was a tough six-game series. Could have went a couple different ways. A hundred percent. And I know that sounds cliched, but genuinely like one bounce and that could have been a 5-1 series win for, for LA. That was Stuart not Skinner easy. Skinner breaks his stick trying to make an outlet pass last night. Oh, did his stick break? Was that oh, what yeah. happened? There was a slow-mo replay. You could actually see the crack along the bottom of the paddle before. And then it did that thing where the blade just kind of like flips over it. So you can actually see it bend back and then snap forward. So... Uh, every goalie's worst nightmare. But I have to refute one point you made because it's bothering me. Dallas is the spookiest team in the playoffs when there's a team that has an actual Sasquatch and a ghost bear. Go ahead. Carolina's the spookiest I know. team. Come on, man. I, I don't know that they... I don't know Sasquatch that Sasquatch they... <laughs> and a ghost bear. I don't know that they should... <laughs> I don't think I the Sasquatch now. is scary. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We really need a quote of the day board somewhere up here. <laughs> uh, speaking of Carolina, they they put away the Islanders in six. The Islanders made some noise at the end there. And uh, if that overtime, obviously, had, had the Islanders won, they would have won. But that, that could have been game seven very easily. And I'm not sure folks were giving Islanders the credit or the prediction that they would come back after 3-1 down. So, Oh, that trade looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> he said, deadpanned into his microphone. Yeah. Uh, Caroline, I think we'll be happy to get out of that one when they did. Now let's talk about the big one that the whole hockey world is talking about. Toronto does it. They beat Tampa in six in overtime. My exact words were, holy shit, they actually did it. And oh my God, Steve must be crying right now. <laughs> that guy needs every blood pe- pressure and anxiety medication in the province of Ontario today after that series. Uh, we messaged him just saying, hey, uh, you know, screw the Leafs, but happy for you. You've been doing this for a long time. And and personally, I am happy that our friend Steve Dangle gets to, you know, do this. But um, 
Steve, (laughs) I don't like reading out other people's personal text messages, but Steve at one point in the chat did say, I love you to Brad. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where he's at right now. But the Leafs did it. They put away the lightning. Again, that's another series where I think both teams stole games. I think every game that, that came down close could have bounced either way. I really, really, really felt like the Lightning were going to take them to seven. And if that went to seven, then I thought, no chance Toronto does it. Like I said, when I predicted them in six, if they were going to win this series, it was going to be in six because the Lightning were too good to to lose in five. And Toronto just does, did not have the mental to win in seven. But yeah, they, they got it done. Well, again, I hate the Leafs, but them winning is good for the hockey world because... As we've seen happen with so many teams over the years, and this is only one round, but obviously, you know, it's a it's a big hurdle for the team. Who were the Leafs' leading scorers in that series? Marner, Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, Nylander. Justin Hall. Bet on skill. Sometimes it takes time, and in this case, it took longer than it should have. But you look at what the Capitals did. You look at, you know, Tampa before they reached the thing. Like, it requires patience, but bet on talent. And, you know, the, the Leafs' big players really, truly did come through uh, in this series and were the reason this team won. Now, that's one out of four series, so, you know, we ain't taking a victory lap, even though the fan base sure as hell is on Twitter. They're playing on house money now. You saw the way that yeah. city celebrated. They don't—honestly, short of getting swept in four by the, the Panthers or something— they're playing with house money. They do not care what happens next. They already, Dubis celebrated and immediately you thought this guy just, he knows he has his job and he gets to write a check for his next contract. Sheldon Keefe fell off the bench celebrating because he knows he just kept his job. They're all staying now. Yep. Yeah, and everybody's like all the big players are under contract for next year at least. So even if they don't do it this year, they can run it back next year. And you know. It was so tempting to dunk on the fan base on Twitter watching the reaction, but I was sitting back thinking, I'm like, you okay. know what? The Red Wings haven't won a playoff series in 10 years. I would probably react the same way. So not winning a playoff series in 19 years. Yeah. We'll give them a pass on this one. They uh, they definitely, you know, had some pent up excitement. Uh, quick, we you know we're recording this without knowing who they're going to play. It's going to be either Florida or uh, it's looking Boston. looking like Florida right now. Florida's up one nothing, And Boston, <laughs> by the way, started Jeremy Swayman. Oh my God, that is ballsy. Jim Montgomery in this one decision, either cements this as one of the greatest coaching seasons of all time or completely undoes his Jack Adams. Well, it's already voted on, so. there's Not to take anything away from the Leafs, but uh, I don't think they played the best iteration of the Tampa Bay Lightning we could have seen. Um, That team is tired, beat to hell, depleted. They didn't have the depth of previous seasons. Toronto should beat them on paper. Yeah, this is maybe the most normal Vasilevsky has looked maybe in his career downright human um losing Eric Chernak was clearly a big loss for them as well uh even though as most people might strike him as a depth guy um you know when Alex Killorn is your top goal scorer you're not going to win a lot of series like uh I don't think Stamkos had the the best series of all time um yeah their best players didn't take over games um but I cannot totally understand why it looked that way. Like they've played a lot of playoff hockey, a lot of hockey in general over the past three years. Um, but you know, those guys wouldn't use that as an excuse. So no, not to take anything away from Toronto, but uh, this is definitely the most human the Lightning have looked in several years. And the pickups, the pickups they made, I 
Love the O'Reilly deal. I thought it was exactly what Toronto needed. That obviously came through, as Brad mentioned. Matthew Nyes was incredible. <laughs> he came great. Um, and honestly, like I, I know it's got a little bit of a meme, and this guy's probably getting beat to hell in Toronto media, but finally Sheldon Keefe makes the non-previous every other uh, you know grindy coach move and, and just finally scratches Justin Hall and brings in Lilligren, and they win the series. It's a, li- it's a little Shocker. bit funny. You know what? Happy for Steve. As Red Wings fans, you always love Leafs pain, but you, like Brad said, you can't deny that the amount of, like, you just watch those reactions. You're like, all fandom rivalry aside, it is kind of fun to watch a curse get lifted like that. It, it's not the same level. Tampa, or Toronto still has to win three more rounds before they have anything they can actually talk about for any extended period of time. But it almost, in terms of the response, justified or not, I don't agree with it, but in terms of the response, did it not feel a little bit like when the Cubs won the World Series? Like, that's how Toronto was celebrating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, uh, really wanted to dunk on him because it was just the first round, but I decided to be a nice person. Uh, small little update on the Boston-Florida game. Uh, Swayman's going to want that first one back. Yeah. It was not good. Anyhow, uh if Boston doesn't win this series, other than being the biggest his fumble of all time, them robbing us of them and them in Toronto in the second round is an injustice. An injustice I cannot get past. I agree because this very much feels like if Toronto's going to celebrate like that, you know, fair enough. Okay, you won. You you broke the streak. They only deserve their next playoff demon in Boston in the next round. A hundred percent. That is how the movie would go. If they if they really want to do this thing and shake their demons, they, they have to face Boston in the next round. So Boston, don't ruin this. Don't render this entire podcast moot by losing. And the NHL as a business would be quite upset if it ends up being Florida. And that's not to take anything away from Florida, but Toronto, Florida doesn't get anybody going and doesn't market the league like Boston, uh, Toronto does. I think Matthew Kachuk will have something to say about that. But you're right. On paper, like the ads will print themselves for Toronto, Boston. How? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously... I know there's only so many options that can go, but in the Eastern Conference, the NHL's premium market, how do you think they're going to feel if the second round is Toronto, Florida, New Jersey, Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, it's not ideal. Okay, very, very quickly here. But they're this close to having Toronto and the Rangers in the second round, which they'll be very... Like, imagine Boston, Toronto, Rangers in the second round. Oh, my God. That's good. You made the escrow joke uh, before the episode, but that would pay off the escrow. Oh, yeah. What I I said to Brad was Toronto winning that round, the amount of money they've generated in sales of not just tickets, but like merch, uh, like ad sales, everything, the amount of money they're going to make in in the arena and with revenue sharing across the league, the players might have just paid off escrow. (laughs) No, I was telling Ryan this before the episode that prompted that statement. So obviously, like working in the hockey store that I do. um, NASA. Yeah. From 10 a.m. to noon today, we sold we sold more Leafs merchandise than we had in roughly the last three months combined I, in a two-hour window. It was insane. I was golfing with my buddy who's got the season tickets, the six season tickets. Just so you know the kind of people, the kind of wealth <laughs> Evan rolls with. Yeah, um, Six season tickets. So sorry, six, six in Toronto? Yeah. Let me guess, lower bowl? Uh. Four red, two golds. I don't know if the reds so are. So Evan's not, a, like, just for context here, that's probably about $4,000 a game worth keep, of season tickets. Keep going with your um, story, my lord. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. Thank you, Chester. Um, sure feel like one. Yeah, we had the two golds for that one game, and they're like, 
absolutely primo seats. Sorry, make that six grand. And uh, he explained what he's. So he only, they only kept two. No, yeah, two tickets for one game, and they sold off the rest. And he was telling me in factors of X's how many, <laughs> how much they sold it over face value. Oh so my god, I can only imagine. You know, if that's what you're into, selling your season tickets, what those second round tickets will would go for. That is unreal. Okay, the rest of the playoffs, the uh, Battle of the Hudson is in Game 7. That'll be Monday night. Um, obviously, Florida-Boston being played right now, so we don't know how that's going to uh, end up, but you do, the listener, which is a fun one. And uh, Colorado-Seattle. Just like we all predicted. And that is going to be, again, you're going to know the result of that. That starts uh, two hours from the time of recording. So yep. we'll see. Uh, credit to Seattle for even taking it this far. We uh, didn't give them enough credit. Hey, I picked Colorado in seven. Well, speak for yourself. We'll see how that we'll we'll talk about it again on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't I don't get much right if ever. So I am going to ride my high uh, if I ever am able to. On that note, before my head gets too big, let's jump into overtime on this episode of the uh, Winged Wheel Podcast. Overtime is One. interrupted because Brad has an update. We have an update. There it is now. Two nothing Panthers. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, my phone doesn't even have that updated yet. Brad's at the game. People, people tweet the results faster than the NHL app or whatever. Whoever updates it, that doesn't shock me. But continue. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com/slash Winged Wheel Podcast. Again, if you do want to support the show and you have a little extra to give, it means a lot to us. The bonus episodes, which are a blast, the uh, Patreon exclusive Discord, and the uh, entry into all of our giveaways. Plus, you're supporting the Jamie Daniels Foundation, Expected by Whom, and more to come from the Winged Wheel Podcast Content Network. Okay, let's take some questions from our patrons. Glenn Brabham says, McDavid, Bedard, Kyle, and Hellebuck rank the Connors in order of desire to have them and likelihood of possibly landing them. No scenario is out of the question. P.S. Is Steve okay? Sorry, so who are the Connors again? McDavid, Bedard, Kyle, and Hellebuck. Most likely to land them? Uh, uh, Kyle, Hellebuck, Bedard, McDavid in that order of likelihood. Yeah. Who would I take for the Detroit Red Wings as of today? McDavid, Bedard, Kyle Hellebuck. I'm going to. No. You get the extra eight years out of Bedard. You get the greatest player to ever. I know. McDavid is a better player now than Connor Bedard will ever be. But. McDavid's got only a couple of years left on his contract. He's 26. You get an 18-year-old Connor Bedard and three years of an entry-level deal. I understand the justification. Like if you want to open the Red Wings cup window, that cup window is a lot bigger with Bedard than it is with McDavid. Now, what is a player who is like a half-step under Matthews on the... Um tier the invisible tier list uh marner <laughs> if do you regret that if he turns into marner and not matthews uh no I again just... what is eight years worth of we'll call it 80 percent of connor mcdavid man that's such a tough one because like you know what connor mcdavid is that's what i'm saying but do we want to make our own connor mcdavid with Connor Bedard. All I heard there was that box could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that this boat, I don't think you could ever, with how high I think Bedard's draft stock is, I don't think you could ever reliably 
make another McDavid. There's only one McDavid. No, I'm I'm making this argument fully understanding he, he will be, never yeah. be Connor McDavid. Yeah, but he could be better. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, not crazy. Crazy, but not out of this world. I'll take McDavid. All right, it's a great question though. And then uh, I'd take Kyle Connor over Hellebuck. Anyways. Same, yeah. I worry about goaltending once the team can actually score. I mean, and you already have Huso and you got Costa coming up, but you have nothing that could fill the Kyle Connor role. Matthew Lynch says, last episode was a great one. Evan went huge. You'll love to see it. Did you pay what him? did I do? I don't even remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, question. I was wondering what everyone's thoughts were on Cross Hannes. I really like how he plays a calculated heads-up game, yet I don't hear about him talk too often. You know what? Hannes has really impressed. Um, his his development path has been up and down, but he has been impressive of late. And I know he got off to a really good start in Grand Rapids. His season got derailed by uh, shoulder injury, uh, which needed to be operated on, I believe. So that is uh, a little unfortunate, but... Hannes has been, I don't know, that's a player that's probably not getting enough credit for a guy who can make some noise to to break the Red Wings roster in a little while. He wasn't a super popular pick where the Red Wings picked him late in the second round. Many, including us, thought it was a reach, but definitely saw the talent. Because he had a lot of skill. Yeah, and he still does. Um, he also has a lot of limitations. Don't get me wrong, there's a reason why he was picked late in the second. Um, he had a promising finish to his junior career and a promising start in Grand Rapids. I still think his best case scenario is like third liner. But, hey, having third, fourth liners with skill is what the good teams do. Yes. Yeah. Um, this one from Linda Hull, and it's a good callback to the U18 topic, which we didn't really get to in the main show. It says, did anyone stand out from the U18s to you? And a couple, would you rather have? Okay, so first off, a quick summary on the U18s and the, the storylines coming out of it. Um, the U.S.'s top line, obviously a huge, huge story. They were just dismantling that tournament, won the gold that, um, Canada, largely disappointing. The, the three defensemen from, um, Sweden, the top three made a huge impression in this tournament. Axel Sandin Pelika, uh, Tom Willander and Theo Lindstein. And I think Willander and Lindstein are going to be very prime targets for the Red Wings in, if they make it to their second round picks, which... The way this tournament went may have played their way out of that. Uh, a couple of Sweden's forwards, Otto Stenberg being one of them, who made good impressions that should bump them up a bit. And Slovakia made it to the bronze medal game and lost in overtime to Canada, and that was largely on the back of Dalibor Dvorsky. So yeah. again, he made a really good impact going into the draft as his last chance. Canada, uh, Canada's biggest standout in the tournament has nothing to do with this draft. Yep, uh, Potential... Maybe we'll call it probable 2024 first overall pick, Macklin Celebrini. I uh, can't not do Burt Macklin in my brain. <laughs> I know. I do it too. Yeah. Um, he had a huge tournament and, and was pushing a lot of uh, Canadian records for a U17 player at the U18 tournament. Uh, I don't remember exactly where on the list he ended up, but it, it's near the tippy top. Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith, Gabe Perot, Ryan Leonard, Otto Stenberg, Macklin, Celebrini, the top five point getters, Dalibor Dvorsky and Matthew Wood right behind. So yeah, that oh, was... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Cole Iserman just scoring the lights out as a U-17 player for the States as well. Nine and yes, Iserman, that's his last name. The spelling's yeah. incredibly different, but... Do they say it Iserman or Iserman? It's Iserman. <laughs> uh, and before anybody gets their hopes up, uh, if you have Detroit making... Any improvements next year, uh, Iserman will not be anywhere in their wheelhouse because he is not making it out of the top two or three picks. Um, right. If we're talking about Macklin Celebrini as a 16-year-old, 16 16-year-old, 16 he led the USHL in goal, in points. Yeah, yeah. he's it's it right now. 
That's who Chicago's looking at next year. Yeah. As as of right now, it's a two-horse race for first overall in 2024, and it's Celebrini and Iserman. Linda also asked a couple, who would you rather? And I think I know the answer. Smith or Moore, I think, is Will Smith. Yep. Ryan Leonard or Barlow, I think, is Ryan Leonard. Yep. Uh, also says, P.S. Brad, my husband and I renovated an 1803 farmhouse ourselves when our kids were small. Linda, do not say that to Mel, please, for the love of God. <laughs> uh, my thoughts are with you over the next couple of months. Oh, I, I am... I am very not excited. Like I am excited because I get the keys to the house in two days and I've never owned a home before. So uh, I was joking with Ryan before uh, as Evan was making fun of me for being poor. <laughs> You're making fun of yourself for being poor. I just like. You didn't help. Anyways, I put the words in your mouth. <laughs> but I, I, my rebuttal was, I now own a house. Now I am in the top like 0.1%. <laughs> That's right. You've done the impossible. Unfortunately, then you zoom in and there's another <laughs> triangle. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's a tier thing. You don't even know that other triangle exists until you get into the first triangle. It's a club. So. It's a club. It's just triangles all the way down. The gym says, hey boys, the NFL draft uh, action has, has me excited for the NHL draft. What do you think it takes for the wings to move the inevitable ninth pick up to three or four? Would you swing for the fences <laughs> or do you think Eisenman would... Uh, if given the opportunity there, those picks are not going to be for sale. It would take a miracle. Like we know the wings have enough ammo, but I know jumping up, like you just hear the numbers five or six picks doesn't seem that crazy. Like you're giving up Edvinson to move up those six picks like, and nine and nine. Yeah. yeah like it's like, it's, it's at some point you have to consider are you just looking at the shiny prize? Like you could give up pick 18 with nine. They're not accepting that. Like they're not. You're going to. Yeah, you're, I know. I know you're right, but it's just you're like, not. You're giving up Michkov for pick 18. No, you want to give up Michkov for like Dvorsky and Wood. Exactly. Which I don't know. That might age terribly in 10 years, but we'll see. Uh, last one here as we wrap up. Tyler C says we need a Tom Willander, don't we? Mickey confusing Willander and Wallander. Uh, or Willander and Willander. Oh, God. I need that to happen. Would be golden. That's rough for me. Because it's not Wallander, it's Willander. Or Volander, really, if you want to get... Um, I don't know how he'll Willander, choose Willander. it. Willander, Willander. Tom. It, they could have a dub-dub defensive pair. Oh, my God. Oh, we could never <laughs> say a bad word about them. <laughs> That's probably a good point to wrap up. Uh, thank you again for all who have tuned in. Uh, this has been our first... We're the WWP. They're the WWD. It's never, please, <laughs> please. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. Uh, I would love to say we're not always this off the rails, but that would be a lie. Uh, if you're a listener of old, thank you for uh, giving us your time in your day. It means a lot to all of our patrons. We can't thank you enough. And for those of you who uh, can support patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. And if you can't, but you want to support another way, subscribe wherever you listen, uh, give us a rating. It, it helps a lot. Tell a friend. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever. Um, we'd like to thank all of our listeners on Patreon, uh, our supporters on Patreon, and our name-level supporters, especially Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sierra Grand Foundation, Akefer, Bertuzzi is straight up missing, Nick Perks, Icon, We Are Geelong, the greatest team of all, Glenn Brabham, Aiden White, Keenan O'Donoghue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Croner's Left Knee, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Babe Landiscog, Big Dork Energy, Rose Before Hostas, Carl Brutinen and Aluski, Chimmy, Chris P, Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Cooking with Kosa, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, 
Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al Kassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Marcus, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, Nicholas Fritz, RA, Red Three, Ryan Hubbard, Ryan, the Ryan Hannah Hannah, Scott Martin, Send It Seawolf, Shahid Syed, Scree and Lube, That's What I Appreciates About You, Wallman's Elite Dancing D, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebagged Army, Sam Bankson, number one Detroit Red Guys fan, AA Ron, Adam Gowitska, Adam Rose, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Captain Antonio Gracias of the United Federation of Cheesebags, CJ Wilkinson, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebags Space Force, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, Evans Short Gorm Goals, Evans 2018 Rich Kitchener Road Puddles, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, who's a brand new name level sponsor. Welcome, Gene, and thank you so much for your support. Grand Rapids Hockey Guy, Griffey Boy, Instructions Unclear, Cheesebag No Longer Fresh, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, John Ingalls, Jordan Pierbolt, who's a, again a new name level sponsor. Welcome, Jordan. Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hull, Matt Keeler, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Oophelia, Reed, Stephen, Tatarsas, and The Hodag. Thank you all so much. We'll be back with you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.